This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. How about It is a Friday. We have made it through the week and we have three hours till technically the weekend begins. That's how we're looking at it as we continue to stream live on the ESPN app. Number for the show is 844-SAY-ACCN. Uh, Before I walked down the steps, I did peek outside to make sure there were no Heisman candidates walking around the neighborhood. (laughs) The coast is clear, unless Devin Leary is hiding in the bushes again for another surprise attack, that quarterback sneak move from yesterday. That was a great deal of fun, but uh, today's show should be a blast. Mr. Durham, how are we doing? I'm great, Pac. Uh, America wants to know, less than 24 hours later, How's the beet juice? Oh, you know, <laughs> Devin Leary yesterday brought a ton of gifts, and this was the beet juice that he dared me. And of course, I'm always up for a dare. Uh, and it looks like, like I said, it looks like Mike Tyson was uh, punching me in the face, uh, blooding the lip. But that's actually beet juice. And uh, Cornette got on my case yesterday. He goes, I can't believe as awful as that was. You went back for seconds, which I did. The reason for it is the real good (laughs) stuff sticks to the bottom. So I was trying to get the real good stuff, if you will. So uh, Larry yesterday says it's like an energy drink, and he has one before every game. Takes one every day. Um, Mm -hmm. I will tell you, I have not slept uh, since Thursday. So there may be something to that, (laughs) Wes. Now, I don't think I'm going out uh, rushing yeah, to the right. local health club store, wherever you buy that stuff. Uh, I am not rushing uh-huh. to buy beet juice. That is not uh, something that I would order in a restaurant. Uh, but nevertheless, okay. we had a great time with Devin Larry yesterday. He was tremendous. Yep. He was great. Yep. Uh, the only thing we blew, though, and this is my fault. This is my fault. Is I was holding our traditional question to the end and of course he had to get up and go because he is a student athlete but we forgot or at least i forgot to ask him what's his hardest class so that means we need to bring him back and i'm hopefully i'm hoping that we're going to be able to do that so but he was great and i appreciate nc state doing that and it was a total shock to the system for me because i did not i just assumed we were talking to him live from raleigh and Next thing I know, again, he's meandering down the the neighborhood, and uh, now, like I said, there's not every day you got a Heisman candidate walking down your street looking for the right address. But uh, he found it, and we had a great hey. time with him yesterday. D. Leary delivers, and uh, in case you missed our visit with Devin Leary, we're going to show it to you. Uh, we'll have highlights for you coming up about seven forty-five in this uh, in this opening hour. It is opening day of the College World Series at Charles Schwab Field in downtown Omaha. You're saying, wait a second, I thought it was TD Ameritrade. It was, and now it's Charles Schwab Field. Uh, that beautiful ballpark they built uh, about a decade ago downtown. And tonight at 7 o'clock, Notre Dame will take the diamond against Texas in uh, game one of the College World Series. And, of course, the Irish are there for the first time in about 20 years. Now, Texas, uh, the number nine overall seed, finds themselves there, but – Here's Notre Dame after beating the top seed Tennessee Volunteers, right? In Knoxville, a team that was destined to win 60, maybe lose less than 10 along the way. And now Link Jarrett in year three at South Bend has the Irish in the ACC and the league has got a team in the College World Series for the 16th straight year. I, 
tonight will be really interesting, Mark, because Texas has become the favorite. Now the remaining teams in the field based on their efforts in the Supers and so forth. And uh, very convincing wins, by the way, after games uh, after game one at, at East Carolina over the weekend. Uh, I'm going to be really, really interested to see how Notre Dame plays from the jump tonight in Omaha. Uh, I always laugh and I hear they're the favorite. Well, you know, a week ago, Tennessee was the favorite because there was nobody in the history of college baseball that's played the game better than those guys. Uh, this weekend, That's they're right. sitting on the couch with their mustard bottles. I mean, what's that favorite thing mean? So now all of a sudden, Texas is the favorite? Okay, great. You call, mm-hmm. hey, tab whoever you want is the favorite. All I know is that number one overall seed thing, that there is, I don't believe in curses or jinx, but there is something going on with baseball. Baseball is different. It's just different. Yeah. So if you're Notre Dame, hey, just because you don't have a number on your screen like uh, Texas does, that doesn't mean anything. Link Jarrett said it best, whoever executes the best is going to win the deal. And the object is to be yep. on that dog pile uh, about two weeks from now in Omaha. But th- you got to get off to a good start. I mentioned yesterday the Longhorns. Uh, two remarkable stats. Uh, the most re- amazing one, and one of the best, I think, in college sports, is the fact that this is the 75th College World Series, and Texas has been in 38 of them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, I yeah. mean, that's just crazy good. How that's crazy. crazy. That's that unbelievable. That's a crazy stat. That's one of the most mm. remarkable stats, I think, in college sports, is that Texas has been to the College World Series more often than they have not been to the College World I mean, who can make that kind of statement? That's just crazy. So that's an amazing thing. But the Longhorns are have lost their last four openers in the College World Series. And for all of us here at the ACC Network, uh, no disrespect to our brothers over there at the Longhorn Network, uh, we hope that streak goes to five. Uh, but, hey, pitching wins. Big ball park. You know, small ball works in Omaha. The best pitching staff mm-hmm. as far as Team ERA that's left in the tournament belongs to Notre Dame. So we will see yeah. how that plays out. Again, knock on wood. God forbid Mother Nature goes crazy in Omaha because I've been there and I've seen those late afternoon thunderstorms. Hopefully tonight, Ooh. 7 p.m. sharp. We get the Irish and the Longhorns. Don't forget, Pac, we got Backrow Lance on the uh, smart people staff up in Bristol, too, who's a Longhorn. Well, listen, be careful. I, I, I love Austin, Texas. It's one of my favorite places in the country. And oh, it's no a, question. It's a yeah. great school. As a matter of fact, Gigi, our oldest, uh, we did a tour uh, of the University of Texas, and she loved it. I mean, real, I mean, who? How do you not love Texas? I mean, it's just a great town, cool school. They yeah. got money, they got attitude, they got the brand, they got a cool logo. They're always in Omaha. I mean, there's a lot to love about the Longhorns. I'm just saying. I know there's some AM fans who are throwing up listening to it, but hey, deal with it. It's a cool place. But uh, tonight, hopefully yep. the Irish have that luck continues, but they're playing good baseball. I mean, all these teams are. You, you don't get to Omaha without really playing terrific, and that's what's going on. That's it. Agree with you. Okay, let's um, uh, let's bring you up to speed here. Now, when we get to uh, this eight-team double elimination bracket, it actually works out of two pools of four. So let's show you kind of how the grid lays out in Omaha that starts tonight with Notre Dame and the Longhorns. And essentially what happens is it's each, each side is conducted in a double elimination. So Texas and Notre Dame play tonight. Uh, this afternoon is A&M and Oklahoma. 
And what will happen is those four teams will eventually get down to one. Then you'll slide that team into the bracket. And then Stanford, Arkansas, Auburn, Ole Miss. It's nice of Stanford to be invited to an SEC West event. Um, They will determine the same deal, and then they'll slide over into the bracket to meet the winner of the top side, if you will. And then those two teams will go best of three to determine the national champion in college baseball. So that's kind of the way Omaha works. Um, There used to be two pools, and the pools would come together, and they'd play one time and all this. And if one team won and the other team hadn't lost, they'd play again. Doesn't work that way anymore. The double elimination process occurs. There will be some days uh, where you just get one game, and then ultimately what happens is you get a double elimination on the backside, and then you play two out of three, and that's it. So it can go as long as about 11 days. Uh, Typically, it's now been tidied up to about 10 in most cases, and we'll see how it plays out starting today with the two games, Texas A&M, Oklahoma at two, and then, of course, Texas Notre Dame tonight at seven. And then the winners meet and the losers meet, and when the two losers play – on Sunday, that's where the double elimination stuff starts to kick in. So once you lose twice, you go home. And that's wow. the way the College World Series works. And some folks see it once a year, don't maybe understand the format, so we thought we'd give you a quick fan's guide to it. Uh, a couple things here. Number one, I, I will give a shout-out to the SEC West. For a division to have four teams in Omaha, that's strong. I don't care who you are. I'd yeah, tell you that if that was an ACC thing, an SEC thing, a Pac-12 thing, whatever, to have four teams from one mm-hmm. division – Make uh, Omaha is really impressive. So that's one shout out. The other thing yep. is, and I normally don't, you know, I watch games to be entertained to say, hey, listen, what's the storyline? But for our perspective here on ACC Network, obviously we love to see Notre Dame rock and roll and do their thing. In that first game, though, Wes, and normally I wouldn't care, I, I would really mm-hmm. love to see Oklahoma and Notre Dame win today because there would be nothing mm-hmm. funnier on Father's Day to watch Texas and Texas A&M get together in anything where it's a loser-leave-town match. Because those two fan bases, and I've dealt with it for a long time on radio. And I'm fascinated by it because they both have more money than God. They both blame the other guy for everyone's faults. Uh, Neither one of them, quite frankly, has done anything in football in so long. I mean, Texas won one in 05 with Mac Brown, but okay, whatever. But A&M, when's the last time A&M won anything in football? But, man, I love their fans. I love going to College Station. It's it's a great place to watch a game. But to watch those two get together, man, it's almost – it's hilarious, to be honest with you, because they cannot mm-hmm. stand each other. It's It's got Duke, Carolina. It's got Auburn, Alabama. It's got Ohio State, Michigan. It's got SC, UCLA all rolled into one. But I'd love to see Oklahoma and Notre Dame win today just to set up that Sunday loser-leave-town match because – those two simply just do not like each other. Just as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how it plays out today. A couple of other notes here before we get into the meat of the program. Uh, Eric Bakich has been named the uh, head Clemson baseball coach. He will join us at 930 this morning. Of course, terrific run at the University of Michigan. Has a year under his belt of uh, coaching at Clemson with Jack Leggett and Tim Corbin. He also with Corbin at – at Vanderbilt, and uh, looking forward to talking with uh, with Coach Backich coming up at nine thirty this morning. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, every time I see him, I've never met him, never spoken to him. Obviously, he's had great success. Here he is with Graham doing his thing. Oh, there's old coach rocking and rolling right there. So, um, but wow, I still go Josh. back. I still go back to the uh, email I got this week where a guy had uh, had a typo sending me that email going, Pat, can you believe Clemson's going to hire Dan Dockage? I'm like, hire Dan Dockage? Yeah, I'm not hiring Dan Dockage to be a baseball coach, it. a basketball coach, or anything else for that matter. The guy was convinced. <laughs> no, it's not Dockage. It's Backage. Get the get that right now. Yeah. Please get yeah. that right. That's that's right. Uh, so we're looking forward to talking with uh, Eric Backage coming up at uh, at nine thirty this morning. All right. Yesterday, uh, a little late afternoon, a little. I don't want to say it's a six o'clock news dump, but it was in the neighborhood. The NCAA Transformation Committee announced recommendations that would provide athletes with windows to enter the transfer portal each year, as well as changes to the current infractions process yeah. designed to result in faster outcomes. Oh, yeah. That's all yeah. we got. Well, <laughs> That's all we got. Two, two things on that front. Number one, uh, the window of opportunity for the transfer portal, I think, is a great idea. Right now, eventually, they'll have a Absolutely. subcommittee, yeah. subcommittee, subcommittee meeting to discuss dates and eventually tell you when right. he or she can go ahead and decide to throw their name in the transfer. All that makes a ton of sense. It makes sense for everybody. Administrators, coaches, players, broadcasters. I mean, we can now, fans, you can figure out what your roster may look like. Mm. All that makes sense. Yep. The second part of that, Wes, with, hey, we're going to speed up the process, please, you know, I don't need any more talk. Don't tell me that. I don't need any yep. more talk from the NCAA about your procedures when it comes to infractions. It speaks for itself because ask the folks at Louisville, hey, have you let them know what's going on with basketball yet? Are we good? We got a no. problem? No. You, you guys are so full of it when it comes to, well, we've had another, we're going to speak they haven't done anything other than put out a press release about what they're going to do. I haven't mm. seen anybody walk the walk yet when it comes to infractions, when it comes to the NCAA. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all there needs to be yeah. said about that. Um, the, the, the proposed transfer recommendations are intended to stabilize, quote, intended to stabilize the transfer environment, according to the NCAA's news release, and would, quote, require additional accountability for schools that receive transfer students. Uh, transportation Transformation Committee wants to modernize the lengthy infractions process. Um, they are, according to the release, want to promote time-efficient outcomes. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I into time-efficient outcomes, too. That, that's okay. I'm good with that. No, the so. transfer portal idea is a good one. It really is. And, and once yep. they stamp the dates of when he or she can or cannot move – it will be beneficial to all parties. I got no problem with that whatsoever, other than they should have announced the dates. All right, next step is to review the recommendations at a June 30 meeting, then to the D1 Council for feedback at the July 20 meeting. Right, more and meetings. And the board could vote to approve the recommendations. Subcommittee meetings. The third, all right. Layers of nonsense. Great show coming up. Who's bringing the donuts? Andy Bitter with our- Somebody wake up Mark Emmerich. I've seen this rodeo before. On Virginia Tech at 7.30, David Hood makes his Packer and Durham debut from TigerNet.com at 8.15 to talk about the Clemson Tigers. Mike Rooney is here at 8.30. Paul Maneri, the head coach of Notre Dame, last time they went to Omaha at 9 o'clock. 
and more baseball at 930 with Eric Package. So we're looking forward to all that and more. We are rolling on a Friday. When we come back, the Omaha Experience. We've talked about, oh, well, there's the old name, the old branding, if you will, Pack. How does Omaha stack up against other iconic neutral site venues? I think if you've been, you know the answer. If you haven't, we'll tell you why it's maybe the best next on Packer and Durham. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. So things start in Omaha this afternoon, 2 o'clock, A&M in Oklahoma in the opening game on the opening day of the College World Series at Charles Schwab Field. Now, you may have been there in the past, and if you haven't, I hope you get a chance to go one day. Uh, Mark has been, I have been, I went 20 years ago, ironically. Notre Dame was last there. They were playing at Old Rosenblatt, at off the bypass, as they say, uh, near the zoo in Omaha. And I got to tell you, it's as good an event as I've ever been to. And I was only there for three ball games. Georgia Tech won the first and then lost two straight. But, Pac, in terms of the total sports experience, this place is hard to beat. And I don't know that people realize how good it is until they get there. Uh, I am on record. I've said this a hundred times. If I said it once, whether it be this show or any other show, I've never met anyone who has gone to Omaha, whether they've gone for the first time or a hundred times, that comes back and says, that was awesome. That was great. I've never met somebody that that just said, man, you know what? It stinks. Like, you know, everybody I've ever met that has gone has just come back and said that whole, God, I I didn't want to leave. It was just kind of a throwback in time. If you want a great steak, you can get it. People could not be nicer. Ballpark's terrific. Uh, they treat the players like they're gods. I mean, it really is a it's a true celebration of baseball, and it, it kind of feels like you go mm-hmm. back in time uh, when you go to the event. The tailgating in the parking lot kind of feels like a college football atmosphere. Uh, you see their sons and their kids throwing baseball back and forth. People are tailgating, laughing. The fan bases all normally get along, even that could be pushed to the test uh, with Texas and Texas A&M, <laughs> um, but. Uh, it, it's just kind of a, like a reunion. I mean, people come back year mm-hmm. after year. Uh, there are even teams. Yep. Uh, there, I, I, when I was there last time, in fact, Palmineri will join us later. Uh, there was a group of LSU fans that just go every year because, well, we just go whether our team's here or not. I mean, the colors are displayed. I mean, there's it, there's a purity mm-hmm. of the game. There's a respect factor. Um and I know I'm, I'm selling this thing to everybody who's like, okay, pack enough. I get it. But that's what, to me, separates this event. That's why I think this is the best NCAA tournament. It's better than March Madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's purer in some respects than any of them. I've not been to the wrestling tournament, even though I heard that's great. Uh, what they're doing in uh, yep. Oklahoma City with the softball World Series, I heard is awesome. I've not been to that yet. But Omaha is Special, And here's the other thing that's cool, too, Wes. Right. When you hear the word Omaha, if you don't think of either A, baseball, or B, Peyton Manning, but you hear in, in terms of what we talk about <laughs> with sports, you hear Omaha, and you don't even have to say College World Series. It's synonymous, mm-hmm. right? It's kind of like um, yep. Pasadena. The first, If I say Pasadena to you, the first thing you think of 
is Rose Bowl or the you know the Tournament of Roses parade. Omaha and college baseball are linked together as one. And it's special. Yep. And to me, it's the most uh, unique of all the NCAA tournaments. It's the number one for me. Really is. No, I'm... I'm with you on that, and I think the uh, the amazing thing about the College World Series is is that there was a time, twenty some years ago, where it was in doubt whether it would stay in Omaha. The NCAA essentially was going to do what it does with Final Fours and other things; it was going to put it out to bid. And to the credit of the people of uh, of Northeastern Nebraska, right there on the line with uh, with the Council Bluffs, Iowa, which is just across the river. Um, the people in Omaha and the folks involved locally did a terrific job. They understood that Rosenblatt was somewhat outdated and they had to find a new way to create an environment and they wanted to do it in the market downtown. And I haven't been there since they've gotten the new ballpark, but everybody that has tells me that where that marketplace is and the ability to walk to the ballpark the new arena that Creighton has, not far away, all the things they can now do. They could do so many different things in and around Rosenblatt Stadium because of the neighborhoods and the parking and things of that nature. But now everything downtown, Pac, you've used this analogy a lot about Indianapolis with the Final Four. Omaha now has that with the College World Series. And that is the game changer. The city embraced the event and they wanted to, they, they had already embraced it. They wanted to make it theirs. And they took that next step to make sure it couldn't go anywhere else. I'm telling you, it's not going anywhere else now. These people do such a terrific job. And the commitment with the ballpark and the, and the vicinity around it, the hotel cooperation, all the things that go on, it makes for an incredible experience for any of the eight teams. But to your point, and I agree with this, the spectator continuity, the people that come every year, be they from Nebraska or anywhere in the Midwest or just people who love college baseball – that's the carryover effect to the College World Series that not many events have, quite frankly. Well, I remember the last time I was there, uh, we were doing a radio show uh, outside the stadium uh, behind left field, in the new stadium. And in between sessions, the line to get in to sit in the bleachers was just, it was a great spectacle. I mean, it, it would rank up there yeah. if you were sitting having a, uh, at an outdoor cafe in Europe just watching the world go by, you watching Americana walk by. Again, fathers and sons, it always took place during the Father's Day weekend, which was always kind of unique. Yep. And for, you know, that, that if it's, again, some folks would think this is cheesy, but there's something about dad, son playing baseball, throwing the ball back and forth, hot dogs and burgers on the grill, uh, people bouncing around beach balls. I mean, it's just, it's just, like I said, it's a throwback in time when you go. And you can talk yep. about all the great hotels and the marketplace in downtown Omaha, and the buildings are cool. But what makes the event great are the people. And Omaha embraces mm. it. Like I said, the only thing I can relate to uh, from an ACC perspective, and I don't mean this to take a slight at anybody else, but it's what Greensboro does for the uh, men's basketball tournament, and even the women's tournament for that That's matter. It. Greensboro yep. takes an ownership of, hey, tradition, history, the building. We want you to have a good time. No matter what bar you go to, no matter what restaurant you go to, people are always talking mm. ball. They're talking about teams. They're talking about coaches. They're talking about players. Same thing in Omaha. No matter where you go to get your whiskey state, guess what? We're talking about the next game. Hey, did you see what Indiana did? Did you see what Notre Dame did? Did you see what Texas did? Did you see what SC did? Whatever the team is, it's there. Uh, there's just a right. real coolness 
about Omaha. And like I said, I've never met anyone that's ever attended the event that didn't come away thinking, you know what? That might have been the best sporting event I've ever been to. And that's that to me is the ultimate sign of approval is that when you get zero feedback of people going, eh, it was just okay. I've never met the person that says it was just okay. Or no, it stunk. Or man, I'd never go. I, that, I've never met that person. And I've been doing sports for a long, long time. And to me, that's the ultimate testimony to what a great job Omaha does and a great job the NCAA does in putting on this event mm. and keeping it where it needs to be. And that's Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. Any great sporting event, by the way, always has that little percentage of folks who go to the event every year, regardless if it's a Super Bowl of its location, Final Four of its location. But if it is a state event, if it's in the same venue every year, Augusta, you have access. There are some people that have Augusta tickets and they go every year. Okay, I've got a friend. He and his wife go for three days every year. They don't necessarily go for Saturday and Sunday, but they go a practice round, maybe Thursday and Friday type deal. Um, you know, people go to the College World Series every year. You mentioned the ACC basketball tournament. We've told the story in Greensboro, especially of the tailgaters who go every year. And when their team, if their team loses day one, they stay through the weekend. Um, Indianapolis 500, you know that. Little League World Series, I'm sure, has the same type deal where people in Pennsylvania – around Williamsport, want to be a part of that event every year. Um, Super Bowls, there's a small percentage of people who are fans of the National Football League. Yeah, they've got a favorite team, but those folks are the lifeblood of an event, no matter how many or how few, and it's important to recognize. And Omaha is one of those experiences, and I cannot tell you enough, if you get an opportunity, go see a College World Series. You don't have to stay for the whole time. Just go for a couple days. You'll have an incredible experience with the wonderful people out there. It really is. A, it, it's a real sporting treat. So, Totally agree. But I will say this. If you uh, put – the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting event in our country by far. It's the most popular sport. It's the biggest mm-hmm. event. And I'm not going to argue with yep. you on that. But if you stuck two Super Bowl tickets on my table right here, I'd say, hey, you know what? Yeah. Give them to someone who's never been. I, I've been to a Super Bowl. I'd never mm-hmm. go back. It, it, to me, it was one of the most boring events in person I've ever been to. It, it, it is so right. long. It's eight minutes between possessions. When you're sitting at home and there's a party going on, that's different. I mean, you can kill time. But you just sit there and collect dust during <laughs> the Super Bowl. But I, but the College World Series, you could go back every yeah. year and have a different experience and totally love it. And the food, by the way, is great, especially if you like carne. If you like carne, Romanzo, give me some beef. beef. That's beef, folks. I'm just telling you, a whiskey steak. uh, Man, oh my God, they are so good. They know what they're doing. It's always, it's always good. Now, if you watch the Packer and Durham program, uh, you get a little bit of an Italian sprinkled in with the English typical dialogue that we have on this show. Uh, When we come back, we're off to Blacksburg. Andy Bitter will be here from our friend from the Athletic who covers Virginia Tech. Our two days continue. A look at Brent Pry's first team. We'll get Andy's thoughts as we head into the uh, talking season, if you will, next month on where Virginia Tech is next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. All right, let's go to Blacksburg. Andy Bitter covers Virginia Tech. 
for the athletic helps us with two a days. You're a good man, bitter, for getting up early and joining us. How are you? I'm pretty good. I I always get up this early anyway to get my daughter ready for camp or school. So I'm awake and she's being quiet right. right now, which is nice. Well, well give us give us time. Much to that. Yeah, give us time on that to get that <laughs> um, thing stirred up. She's hey, interrupted many interviews way, before. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you, Andy Demetra's daughter. When we were talking Georgia Tech two a days this week, Andy Demetra's daughter Clara showed up on the set, so she showed up in the background. Ain't no problem. If your daughter wants to come in and ask a question to Packer, he can answer in Italian. So we got that going for us on the program. See. Right now. So, uh, yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess, and it's dangerous to do this. Are they set at quarterback at Virginia Tech? Is Grant Wells the guy on opening day for Brent Pry? I think so. I mean, I'd say so with about 98% certainty right now. We we talked to assistant coaches this week. We talked to Brad Glenn, the quarterback's coach. And, you know, he said, even though we didn't name a starter in the spring, I think everybody pretty much knows who it is, uh, which I thought was kind of surprising. Yeah. I'm like, why don't you just name him then? I guess they don't want to close that door completely. But I, I think he's stating what was obvious to everybody when you watch the spring game. And I don't want to go just off of spring game performance, but Grant Wells looked pretty good in that game. He mm-hmm. looked like a guy who could command an offense and push the ball downfield and moves better than you think he did because he didn't really run the ball very much at Marshall. So uh, I think all those things put together, uh, I think he's uh, clearly the front runner right now. And I think they're acknowledging that. Now, I'm not saying that Jason Brown can't do something uh, in the, the summer or, or August to win the job, but I, I'd be pretty surprised. I think it's going to be Wells at this point. It's no shock that okay. West Durham always starts by asking about quarterbacks, and I always ask about defense. <laughs> you know, and I, when the Hokies are back is when they start punching people in the face again on the defensive side. Last mm. year, 10th in the ACC, tackle for loss uh, and sacks. I mean, we got good linebackers in Blacksburg. So Brent Pry's a defensive guy. Got that mentality of attack, attack, attack. Uh, you tell me, Andy, what, what do you think crystal balling Virginia Tech's defense will look like in 22? Well, I think it'll be better because, like you mentioned, that's Brent Pry's specialty. So you think if he's going to have an impact on any side of the ball, he's going to call plays this year. He's going to be very heavily involved in that and what he wants it to look like. And I think just that organization and that structure that he'll bring to that side should mean an improvement. Now, the the issue is they need some better personnel at some spots. I I think, like you mentioned, the linebackers look pretty good. They've got experience there. Uh, I kind of like what they have in the secondary with Tremari Connor playing back there now. That's your people's at safety. Uh, Armani Chapman, Dorian Strong are pretty experienced at corner. I think that's a good group. Uh, I look up front and I go, where's the real standout guys there? They have a lot of them. Uh, I wonder if they have the – there's not really an all-ACC caliber guy that I see on that defensive line. And I think that's, you know, they're going to have to do it with numbers and they're going to have to do it with uh, maybe a little bit of, of tricks and blitzing from different angles and stuff like that. But that's what pride does. I mean, that's what he's done his entire career. So I, I think you're going to see an improvement on that side and that's how they're going to have to have success this year. All right. Taiwan Garbutt is like the most experienced guy in the front, right? Am I missing anybody yes. here? Has there been somebody front loaded in? I mean, Taiwan Garbutt just looks like, oh, by the way, there's the guy whose name is familiar. I mean, Josh Fuga played, but Garbutt's the one that's got the most experience, right? Garbutt's got the most experience. Uh, you've got uh, Mario Kendricks and Narelle Pollard on the yeah. interior there. 
Uh, they've got some young guys that I think they're pretty excited about. Uh, Cole Nelson at defensive end is a sophomore. C.J. McCray was a Marshall transfer who initially came as a linebacker, moved down to the line. Uh, those are guys that are pretty young and athletic that I think they like that mix of experience and youth. But uh, those guys need to take a major jump this year and to be big contributors because they're going to have to. They just don't have a lot of uh, experienced guys other than them. Andy, I know he has not won or lost a game yet, technically. But it does seem like Brent Pry has checked all the boxes that Whit Babcock wanted in terms of the connection to the fan base. And I don't mean that to be, you know, a, a shot at Justin Fuente or his staff or anything else. But that, you know, I'm married to a Hokie. I, I understand what that means to that community, that fan base to feel like one again. And it seems like Brent Pry has done a lot of good things leading into game one as the head coach at Virginia Tech. Well, I'll say this. He certainly knows why he was hired. Uh, he knows what his, the weaknesses of his predecessor were and sort of the holes that he had to fill in that sense. And he's leaned into it quite a bit, talking uh, you know, about repairing relationships, both with the fan base and alumni and uh, you know, on the recruiting trail. That's been something that's been a big part of this. And you know, that's what you have to do in your first offseason. There are no games right now. Obviously, there's on-field stuff that you have to do, but – uh, as a head coach, you have to be the, the guy that oversees the program and sort of sets the tone and the messaging for everything. And I think that's been something that Pry has done from the outset is just hammered home that messaging. They had a retreat, uh, a staff retreat in Bristol a couple of weeks ago, and they went there, and that was the purpose of that. He, he talked to us, and he said he had 45 points that he wanted to hammer home over and over. So that kind of tells you how detailed he is in wanting to repeat this message and make it just part of this culture here. So... Uh, you know, the, the on-field stuff will happen and the, the, the roster is what it is. But I, I think in your first year, you sort of have to you know, set the track down of what you want this program to be. And he's done a good job of that so far. All right, Andy, this is the part of these two-a-day segments where we start talking about scheduling um, <clears throat> because reality sets in here. Virginia Tech is going to play some people and the renewal of West Virginia, there's all sorts of little things that fall into play here Boston College early at Carolina at Pitt early October Miami right behind them I mean this they got their work cut out for them they do and you look at that schedule you can almost kind of break it up into thirds uh, where they start out the season sort of a crescendo with that Thursday nighter uh, against West Virginia then it gets really tough there that stretch at North Carolina at Pitt where they always struggle at Pitt Miami at home that at NC State on Thursday night too uh, you know NC State might be the the Atlantic Division favorite we'll see how the voting goes in a couple months here but and then it eases up at the, the back end of the schedule with Georgia Tech at Duke at Liberty Virginia so uh, I, I feel like there's almost sort of a survival mode that they need to be in a little bit to get through that that stretch in the middle of the season that they have to do well enough in those first four games and then sort of survive those middle four so that they can uh, perhaps boost their record up a bit uh, in those last four games. And that's tough sometimes when you're a brand new coach and you're getting used to the roster and, you know, maybe things aren't clicking right away when you come out of the gate. So, uh, yeah, I look at that middle four and I go – Man, they, they got to figure some things out before they get to that stretch, and then they just sort of have to last through that. Andy, there's two things about the schedule that I really like about Virginia Tech. Number one is that West Virginia is on it. Um, and I know they yep. played last year in Morgantown, but that, that's a series that needed to be played. I know they had, everybody had to cool off 
uh, because everybody kind of lost their minds there for a while. But that, that's a series that, to me, is what's good about college football are those kind of non-conference games. Issue number two that I like is that Virginia Tech just announced, I guess, the, the, the marquee games and what they're going to be, special events and so forth. And anybody that says, hey, let's make Miami our homecoming, I like that. I like it when people say, we're not going to schedule roast beef A&M for homecoming. Let's circle the date. And here comes TVD and Miami and the Canes. You know, the Canes coming in with the Hokies. It doesn't matter where the games play. They've had some classics, whether it be back in the Big East, now in the ACC. But I love the fact that that is a homecoming game for Virginia Tech. Uh, first of all, I didn't even realize that they had made that the homecoming game. But yes, I, I do like that. I mean, that's uh, it's actually taking a risk that maybe the fans are going to go home disappointed. But you know, the way Virginia Tech's played some of its homecoming games recently against some uh, you know marshmallow teams, there they haven't performed so well anyway. So it's not like they leave the stadium feeling all that great. Uh, I agree with you on West Virginia. I think it's just a good regional rivalry uh they played for the longest time and you're right it did get a bit heated i uh, had to hit the pause button both teams went in the penalty box for a little while on that one but uh you know it was a it was a great atmosphere it was a great atmosphere last year up at west virginia i really enjoyed going to that uh you know i i think generally the fan behavior was pretty good what i heard from most of virginia tech fans is they were treated pretty respectfully up there obviously there were, there were some exceptions because alcohol and football games get involved it's gonna get a little ugly sometimes but i mean virginia tech west virginia on thursday night that just feels like big east in the late 90s like it's just a good uh, throwback rivalry and, and two programs and schools that uh, you know don't really like each other that much i think that's what college football should be all around and they're playing for a trophy too the black diamond trophy which i looked in the, yep. the lobby the other day and it's missing from the uh, little stand that they have in, in blacksburg i'm sure that's a motivator for the hokies uh, Andy, uh, let's close with this. One guy who you think we need to know about before the summer starts here. One guy, is there somebody who, you know, is either freshman, guy who's been waiting his time, now gets an opportunity uh, on this roster we need to be looking out for? You know, offensively, I'd probably say Daywan Lofton, a wide receiver. He's a, a sophomore mm-hmm. this year. He played a little bit as a freshman, got more snaps near the end of the year. Uh He's just a versatile guy. He does a lot of different things. He played everything in high school uh, coming out of the Dallas area. Uh, I just think the team likes his uh, approach to everything. He's versatile. He can play in the slot, can play on the outside. They're going to need receivers. I mean, that's a position where they lost Mm -hmm. a lot of experience last year with Trey Turner and uh, 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 Tavion Robinson uh, going elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, I think the the opportunity is there. I think he's primed for it. He was the spring MVP on the offensive side. I, I'd expect big things from him. All right, there we go. Andy Bitter with the full update pack, as usual. All right, enjoy the uh, camp drop-offs, as it were. Oh, we will, definitely. It's always a, a highlight of the day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day weekend. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Thank you. Take care. Andy Bitter covers Virginia Tech for The Athletic. Always gracious with his time. Yesterday, so was Devin Leary of NC State. In case you missed, the Wolfpack quarterback, surprising Packer, in the basement. It's next on ACC Network. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham. 
on a Friday, 844-SAY-ACCN, the number for the program. Uh, and in case you missed it, old Devin Larry with the ultimate quarterback sneak yesterday. <laughs> Meandering down the driveway, unbeknownst to me. He was great. Yep. He was terrific. Yep. Terrific guy. We had a blast talking to him. Uh, completely surprised Packer, which was uh, job one in this whole process. Uh, the beet juice was just topping uh, icing <laughs> on the cake, so to speak. Uh, now, when you get down to Devin Leary, uh, there is something about him this year because NC State's going to be intentional with some of his promotions. So in our visit yesterday, we talked about this D. Leary Delivers campaign, in case you missed it. I mean, I, th- I thought it was awesome, honestly. Uh, just being able to hear, you know, a lot of my hard work being able to pay off, us being able to, you know, promote not only myself, but our team a little bit. Um, you know, with great success comes great team success first. Um, and, you know, I think it's just awesome. I think, you know, we did a great job over here with our media team and Annabelle and everyone just coming together with this. And yeah. I can't wait to see how much, you know, more opportunities come with it. By the way, how about uh, expectations for this team? We'll get to you personally in a second, but for the team, right? It, it does feel different, doesn't it? I mean, you've kind of seen the highs and the lows, but this feels like NC State football has come to a crescendo that, hey, you know what? Last year, close, had some success, had a couple games you want, man, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But you get the sense that NC State's on the doorstep, don't you? Yeah, yes, sir. Um, And I just think that comes with a veteran team. You know, we have a lot of guys coming back, a lot of guys with a lot of experience. And, you know, there's no really excuses anymore. The work needs to be put in. And if that's the expectations, you know, we need to exceed those expectations. But at the end of the day, it's us versus us. And we have to handle our business first. Hmm. I think the uh, first of all, I think your your story is fascinating. Um, You know, and we've talked about that before in the visit you and I have had about just kind of the the patience and the perseverance, if you will. Um, But a year ago, you were able to stay healthy and you guys picked up momentum along the way. Do you sense that momentum existing in the offseason? Because we talk about teams carrying from one year to the next, but really the only people that can answer that are the guys in the locker room. Is the offseason been, at least to this point, as productive as you'd hoped? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And I think really it started – You know, obviously with our bowl game, not really being able to get that full, complete sense of our season, you know, obviously not finishing the way that we wanted it to. And, you know, it just transitioned right into the offseason. You know, the work needs to still be put in. And we all understand that. We all understand, you know, Coach Coach Doran does a great job of keeping us humble and grounded and understanding that, yeah, it's great for the media attention and being able to have these high expectations. But at the end of the day, we still didn't accomplish anything. We still need to put in the work. And, you know, the film does all the talking for us. By the way, did the bowl game feel like you were dissed? I mean, because, I mean, you, listen, you travel across country. It was a it was a bowl game with UCLA. I think the country would like to see. It's a little ACC Pac-12. We don't, yeah. we don't get a chance to see those games very often. Uh, they had a chance for you to basically be highlighted. I know it's a team game, but there are a lot of folks around the country with an opportunity to say, all right, NC State been hearing about him, this Leary kid. Yeah, he's throwing it all over the yard. And all of a sudden, a game doesn't happen, especially as late into the process that, hey, we think we're getting ready to go play. You get the phone call and word gets out and you're not going to play. Did you feel like, hey, 
that was a personal diss. I know it's not a UCLA had it out for you, yeah. but I know how coaches are, right? I know how coaches use it for motivation that, you know what, that was our opportunity for the nation to see what we're all about. Yeah, yeah, and honestly, it was tough. You know, like you said, it was very late. Uh, you know, got the call like a couple hours before the game. You know, guys were getting ready mentally. Um and it was tough just because, you know, we were away from our families. It was during Christmas time. We were out in San Diego. But, I mean, at this point, it is what it is. You know, we weren't able to play. I would have liked to see the game, too. Um, you know, guys were ready. Guys were prepared. But, like I said, it kind of put a bad taste in our mouth to the way that we ended our season. And it just rolled right into the offseason. Mm -hmm. Kevin, we have these we have these great visits with, with Coach Doran, right? And one of the things uh, he and I talked about, we talked about it, I think, Mark, at uh, Amelia Allen was, Devin, the coaching continuity, especially for you on offense. I mean, the fact that that Tim Beck is the offensive coordinator. I know Chris Proctor plays a big role in, in kind of your preparation, all those things. Take me through the value of the same messaging, the same communication, that comfort level. What does that mean week to week? And what does it mean in a time like this when you guys, you know, we always hear in the offseason, you whiteboard stuff, you watch tape. I mean, so what's happening now that you think helps you once you get to that rhythm of the season? Yeah, I think it's huge, you know, just being able to hear the same language, you know, being able to hear the same system, you know, understand what Coach Beck wants out of a system. And, you know, very grateful for him to, you know, come on staff here in 2020 and really get things turned around. But, yeah, like you just said, being able to hear, you know, the same conversation, being able to understand uh, what exactly he's talking about. And really just constructing the mm -hmm. whole offense as a whole, being able to, you know, take charge. And that's the biggest thing that Coach Beck has done and very thankful for him to be here. Where does Devin Leary go after a year like last year to, to learn how to get better, to put it in perspective? I know guys go to Manning. I know there are a lot of guys that do a lot of individual work with guys around the country. But for you specifically, what's, what's been kind of the goal? For, uh, for this coming season based on the success of last year? Yeah, first I think it just starts with self-critiquing. Um, I'm, I'm my biggest critique. Uh, you know, I like to break down each and every game, understand, you know, where I excelled well and then where I struggled and just being able to break down that film and understand where I need to improve into my game. And, you know, it all starts in the film room for me, you know, being able to understand uh, defenses and expand our offense more, understand, you know, different protections uh, mm -hmm. and where I'm going to be hot and just understanding, you know, the full grasp of our offense and then just expanding that as far as my defensive ID and each and every day finding something that I can get better and better at 1% every day. Given all the hype, and I'm not just talking about the, the Heisman campaign. Have you found that your life is a little different? A little bit. Like, like for, for instance, like, can you now go to a restaurant or without somebody going, hey, Larry, man, what's going on? I mean, what do you tell me? What's it like? Well, in Raleigh, you know how passionate NC State fans are. I mean, not even just in Raleigh. I mean, mm -hmm. it feels like anywhere that I go now, you know, everyone's throwing up the pack or everyone's just shouting out, go pack. And, you know, it has changed. It definitely has changed. I know there's more of a spotlight. A lot of people recognize me, but I mean, I love it. I've got nothing but love from NC State fans, and it's just going to continue to grow from them for sure. All right. What about the uh, Duke and Carolina guys up here in the triangle, huh? You, uh, you get any of the, the arch enemy? Say, oh, man, here's that quarterback that killed us last year. <laughs> I, I stay away from them. Do you? I That's stay probably away from a smart them. move. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about like on social media and stuff? Have you found yourself having to stay away from that too yeah i mean i you could see it on social media here and there uh getting hate from different guys but that's part of the game that's why it's a rivalry and uh you know being the it's a badge of honor though isn't it 
Uh, I've always looked upon it like when people start getting on your case, you're like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, it means you're still watching. Yeah. Still listening. Exactly. I mean, you take it as it is. That's, what? like I said, part of the game. And, I mean, I embrace it. And whatever it is, I mean, I know NC State fans are going to back me up at the end of the day. That's right. That's it. 100%. Well, right. he's already accomplished one thing, Pac. He's already accomplished one thing. Chester loves Devin Leary. Look at oh, yeah. Ch- look, <laughs> Chester's like hanging on yeah. to Devin Leary. I mean, he was he. Oh, there he you passed yeah. the sniff and the lick test. Uh, you got to pass again. Nobody comes rolling in here unless you pass the sniff test. I don't know if you ever tried beet uh, juice. That would be Wes's. Wes, <laughs> yeah. is, Wes is in the beet no, juice. No, no, not you, man. No, you're the, I'm not the beet juice guy. That's you. Know what? Even bourbon can't help this. <laughs> beet juice? So what do you do with beet juice? It's actually an energy shot. I take one of them before every game. Do you really? Yes, sir. And then, All right, hold on a second. You dared me already. I'm yeah, you got to try it. You got to try it. And I'm not going to throw up, am I? Oh, this will be good. Uh, you, huh? you might throw up. <laughs> You're like, oh, whoa. Yeah, it's Dude, strong. this is not one of those Italian no, reds. No, don't I smell just it, had drink a couple it. Weeks. Yeah, God, I, can you nose. Oh, my God. You put this in your body? Pack, every, drink it. Don't smell game. it. Let me tell you something. If you did not drink this, you wouldn't have five interceptions last year. I, I don't know. I don't know. I can't <laughs> call it. Leave it up to the beat, you. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you take all of it? All of it. All of it? All of it. How about all if it sucks? It. All of it. All the you way down. Just, just like Clemson days. Come on. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. That is awful. <laughs> it's not the Seriously, this is what you drink every one of these? Every, huh? Yep, every game. Thank God that's over. Leary was great. The beat juice, <laughs> not so much. Stuff's brutal. Brutal. You know, in Packer and Durham, Packer and Durham moments... That one's going to be up there. You know that, right? <laughs> well, he was great. I mean, he, like I said, it was the ultimate quarterback sneak. So, again, I appreciate NC State doing it and wish him the very best. He's a terrific player, and NC State football should be very, very good. All right. When we come back, 8 o'clock hour, uh, David Hood will be here with two-a-days for Clemson. Mike Rooney on the College World Series. But what would a national title at the College World Series mean for the ACC? We'll cover that and more. It's opening day in Omaha on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.